everyone. Welcome back to Purple Nuna Podcast, a podcast that is currently E. coli free. <laughs> yes, you heard that here first. I am here today with the lovely and the incomparable Savannah Lana Usi. That's my name from now on, everybody. Just well, that's how I say it in my head when I spell it. Like it's like you know, like when I'm doing like biology notes, I don't say when I'm spelling it out. I don't say mitochondria. I say mitochondria because that's how it should be said. I guess just that like Lanause, they they sneak a little H in there. So just like Lanause should really be Lana Usi. You know, you want to make it a little bit more wrong. like Lanause sounds great. Don't get me wrong, but if you add a little feng shui onto Lana Usi, it's Lana Use. And come you know, on, it's supposed to be French, but I don't believe it. Kyle says the only time it's French. I'm like, yeah, all right, okay. Well, he's not French. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. You can't, you know? you can't take credit. But for I that. mean, like that would be like me going, "Well, Stephanie's French, so you should just be calling me Estefani." You know, <laughs> the entire time. <laughs> but how are you? How are you doing? I'm in a cheerful mood. It's a good, it's a good, good night. Good. Yeah. Um, I started this show saying we're E. coli free because one, Savannah. I mean, fun fact about little little bit about your body. You're always gonna have E. coli on you, but you're not gonna be infected like how I was two weeks ago. There was a little bit of changes in our schedule. I don't think you guys really noticed it because we still put out content, but it might have been a little bit different or tiny, tiny bit inconsistent. I think it's like the one time I was really like gone and out for two weeks and we were still entirely consistent. So probably no one knows. But yeah, cook your meats. If it look weird, don't eat it. I regret it. Yep. Yep, I was just, I had a fever for like 10 days and no bueno. Wasn't COVID. I got tested. It was E. coli. So cook your meats, you know, wash your hands, you know, just, just because I feel like people like, you know, like when the, remember when Chipotle gave out E. coli? Oh God. Do you remember that? Where it was like, oh my God, all of the, the romaine lettuce. <laughs> all of the romaine lettuce has E. coli. And then remember there was like that one time a few years ago where you couldn't buy romaine lettuce for like two months? Yeah, what happened to that? Is that safe now? There was E. coli within the lettuce and I they couldn't trace it. I I feel like that's why I don't buy romaine lettuce. I, I think that's what <laughs> happened. Because I know when I go to the grocery store, I'm like, oh, you have to buy the good lettuce. And romaine is never my pick. So maybe that's what it is. But you know what I will say? I'm... F- like, not to be very cynical, but I hope all of a sudden I hear on the news, there's an E. coli outbreak within romaine lettuce, because I'm going to make bank. I got stuff documented. I ate lettuce before I got sick. Cash your check, stuff. Get your check. I'm going to get bank. I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. I'm going to buy a house. No, I'm going to complete my Criterion collection. That's, That's the, the first smart thing. thing to do. Of course. There's always going to be houses. Whatever. Of course, homes, they ain't going anywhere, but criterions <laughs> are flying off the shelves because that's where our, our priorities are. And of course, you know um, the first one you have to get, right? I'm thinking, oh, you bet, you bet I am going for that, the world of Wong Kar Wai <laughs> box set. 
I'm going for all the box sets. Like, and I'm going through the Criterion, like their collection, like the website. Cause I think like, I think they do like with like every like hundred dollar purchase or something like that with every like big purchase. I think, I remember they used to do it. I don't buy it too often from them, but I think like after a certain amount, you get like a coupon, you know, I'm going to be stacked on stacked on stacked for the next Criterion sale. They're going to be like, this girl's robbing us. And I'll be like, yeah, <laughs> I am. That's knocking at your door. I'm here. <laughs> with E. coli. <laughs> <laughs> Just as a threat. Uh, but um, before we get into today's movie, um, this past weekend, so we're filming this on a Monday, yesterday was the Golden Globe. Savannah, what do we think? What do we think Fair. about winners? Fair. Fair? Fair and yes. just? Yes. To be honest, I don't know everybody, but from what I heard and from what I, I know, it was good. I'm really happy that – I don't know if you watch Ted Lasso. Do you watch Ted Lasso? I don't watch Ted Lasso. I Not really because like I Ted just Lasso. don't have anything against it, but is it really good? I think it's funny. It's like me and you like British humor. So – I think you would like it, and I really like Jason Sudeikis, and I feel like he needed this after. Well, the Harry I was about Styles to say thing. you're saying British humor, but is he? Br- he's not British. So it's about a football coach from the United States. He gets a job as a soccer, well, football in England coach in the UK, and it's about how he. Oh. It's really funny. It's it's like lighthearted. It's like sweet, um, and I really feel like he needed this after the Harry Styles thing. Well, it's okay because she moved back in with him. I mean, what? he he won the Golden Globe. Yeah, he she was like, "All right. You valid." <laughs> so what? she she moved back in with Jason Sudeikis. I think she moved in like 3 days before the Golden Globes, but I mean, come on. She probably had a hunch that he was going to win and was like, "Harry don't have a Golden Globe." That is the craziest thing. I mean, I'm sure she's not that self-absorbed to be like, I'm only going to go with the man with the golden globe, you know? But no one's saying otherwise. (laughs) Wow. Okay. That's news to me. News to me. Yeah. And then we also had with uh, the Golden Globes, um, I, I loved everything. I loved Tina and Amy Poehler. They were great. They're always my favorite host honestly they just did such a killer job um i um i was really happy with all the nominations and the wins for nomadland because i'm like yes break the barriers keep well i'm also always salty when i see that because i'm like that could have been me like you know (laughs) like if it's like oh my god the second female to ever win and i'm like that could have been me don't worry because probably when when i hit scenes of the award shows, when I hit the red carpet, I'm probably going to go for the categories that like no one wants to go for and just dominate. I'm coming for you, short films. <laughs> I'm going to have a streak. Everyone's going to be like, this kid again? And I'm going to be like, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Short films. What's up? Why does no one do that? Like, I want a monopoly on the short film genre. You know what it is? Because I feel like people like see it and they're just like oh but nobody nobody watches short films you know so I feel like it's probably that um but that's just my guess I I don't actually know yeah 
um, in terms of, oh, I mean, like, I was really happy. Like, the last thing I'm going to say, my last comment, was it was so bittersweet with the whole Chaz- Chadwick Boseman winning because oh, I was like, yeah. yes, yes, but I didn't need to cry that hard on a Sunday night. You know what I mean? Didn't his wife accept it? Yeah, and I was crying the entire time. Like, as soon as she came on, it was like, thank you. I was like, oh. <laughs> Like, just trying to compose myself. It was just painful. Very painful. Very deserving. Very beautiful. Very loving. But oh so painful. Yeah. Yeah. Like, if you watch any of the highlights and stuff, because we were talking during the award show, um, don't watch that unless you want to cry. Like, that's like the type of thing where you're like, I'm feeling blue. I need to let my tears out. You click that and just sob. Yeah. Yeah. Very Mm -hmm. emotional. But the movie that we're going to be talking about today actually ended up winning the Golden Globe for Best Foreign Language Picture, which is great. Uh, We ended up seeing this movie. Uh, It was a really cool experience. They actually did a virtual screening about two weeks ago, right? Yes. Where um, we saw it through A24, and they even had like a little... Um, Q&A, like a little pre-recorded Q&A after the movie. And I thought that was so cool. Um, definitely highly recommend checking out and watching out for the A24 movies because I definitely do think it was totally worth it, especially if you have like a, a smart TV or an Apple TV where you can just stream the movie to. Um, so yeah, if you want to look for new movies, but you want to stay in the comfort of your own home, check and see if A24 is going to be doing that in your neck of the woods because that was really really great but um yeah do you have any comments or concerns or things that you want to talk about with the golden globes um no i i spoke my piece ted lasso won so i'm pretty content with just ted that lasso and Shit's creek you know what yeah, more could you want exactly you know? all right so then let's get into the film minari Minari is a film by written and directed by Lee Isaac Chung, and it is about a Korean family starts a farm in 1980s Arkansas. Um, it is currently right now available in theaters as well as I, they might be doing more showings through the A24 um, you know, website, so definitely check that out. Um, but the main cast is Alan S. Kim, Yeri Han, Noel Cho, and Steven Yin. Um, so before we get into, as always, the spoilerly bits and all that stuff, Savannah, what did you think about Minari? I thought it was very unique. Um, I didn't expect that kind of story. The story is about, like, I would say I, I was going into it like, oh, the American dream. And I thought we were going to get, like, just, you know, one of the stories about, oh, upcoming people that come to America to do the American dream. When really Maybe involving some more race relations and things like that. When really it's just like a story within a story. Um, mm-hmm. Because it really focused more on the family and their hardships rather than like this whole grand scheme topics. Because I think with the topic of uh, the American dream, it the movie kind of emulates just that topic. You know what I mean? Like at yeah. the end of those movies, you're just like, oh yeah, like that movie was about that they got the American dream and look all these things about the American dream when really like this is a family that just wanted better for themselves. And we actually rarely kind of see those aspirations. We see it a little bit within the father and we'll get into that later. 
but it was really just more about how this family is surviving Mm -hmm. with many things. It had many topics about marriage, about kids, uh, culture and family. So I really liked that it just didn't put itself in a box because I think that's where a lot of movies make the mistake and become rather like cookie cutter. You can kind of see it coming. So I really enjoyed that, that aspect of it. And the acting was fantastic, very emotional. Um, and just very realistic. You, you could kind of feel everything that was going on. Um, and yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I, it kind of, have you seen the farewell? No, but I know what it's about and I can kind of see how you could like kind of relate it to that. It, It reminds me of the farewell and the Florida project where definitely the Florida project yeah it's just like these stories within like a bigger issue you know like the Florida project was talking about poverty in Orlando but we really didn't see that overall like topic it's just about this you know these this girl just trying to survive in Orlando uh the farewell was about the family trying to protect their sick grandma and you kind of just see the dynamic so I feel like it's those two movies combined and I really, really enjoyed it. What did you think? I completely agree. And you know, what? I have to give a shout out to whoever cut the trailer because the best, the best part, the best thing you can do in a trailer is mislead, really. Because I like, mm. obviously, like sometimes that can work both both good and bad ways, depending. But I would rather be surprised with what I am getting in a movie than completely know what's about to happen just from the trailer. Yeah, that um, happens a lot. I really enjoyed like knowing, like thinking that going into it one way, it was going to be about this. And obviously like it hit that topic, but it was so much more. Yeah. Um, as Savannah was saying, like, like the American dream is kind of like the umbrella, but everything else, like the water, the wind, everything else in this like little picture all kind of comes together within the characters and things like that. Um, I think, and also one of my favorite characters was a character that was kind of hidden from the trailer and kind of hidden from the main idea of the plot, which would be the grandmother, but I'll get to that in a second. Um, but yeah, I think Minari is a very good film. It wasn't what I was expecting, but I say that in the best way possible. I was very satisfied watching this movie. I would, um, despite it being about hardships and stuff, I would consider it more as like a feel good movie, although that could be debatable to some degree um with just some events that happened but I really I did like the movie I thought it was good timing it's a two-hour movie I felt like it had good pacing and I really love the interconnectedness of all the different characters like I loved how not everyone had the same struggle within the movie right everyone whether going from the wife to the husband, to the two children, to the grandmother, all those things, and even to their own environment, seeing the different aspects, seeing all the different things that they faced. I think it was honestly like in terms of like a family drama and like a family centered movie, this is like the epitome of that. And of course, there could be some that are more dramatic, more harder, more this, but in terms of like the interconnectedness and everyone having their own issues to deal with, this is what movies centered around families should be. So I definitely, definitely recommend it. So let's go into uh, the story. So Savannah, like we were talking about, uh, we were kind of expecting it one way. Um, within all the different stories between mother, child, father, things like that. 
what were some of your favorite elements of the story within this movie? I really liked what um, the wife was kind of going through throughout the whole mm-hmm. movie. And you kind of felt her struggle because she was really alone. Mm-hmm. Um, her husband was just had this, you know, this goal and this vision that he was working so hard for. And she was just kind of left by herself in a foreign country where she doesn't know anybody. And you like feel that, I don't know if pain is the right word, but you feel like that isolation within her. Yeah. Um, and you're kind of just like, well, like, even when he, the, I think the husband is a very complex character, but mm-hmm. I think the wife matches that energy in a sense where she's kind of, he's trying to build something for the family and she's trying to just keep the family together um, until she can't anymore, you know, until like she's just tired. So I really felt her struggle the most out of the whole family. Mm-hmm. Or felt Yeah, and I, I, I think what was really great was how you can really see without them having to say like, I feel bad or I yeah. feel lonely or I feel this way. You could just see it within these characters, within the way the actors portrayed themselves and like not saying it directly, but like saying it indirectly through dialogue. I think they did a great job. And one of the things that I really liked was how you could see this wife, uh, like uh, Stephen Yeun's character's wife, um, really carry this sense of guilt because they lived in San Francisco and they ended up having to move to Arkansas because at the time, San Francisco, a lot of people migrated from Asia to the West Coast of the US. And you can tell she feels very guilty and she feels responsible for her husband's new, you know, fuel, this new dream that he wants to take on. Because the reason why they moved to Arkansas was that because he could work and he was the best at his job, but she couldn't keep up. She couldn't get a job. And therefore both of them together would not be able to support the family. Mm-hmm. So I, I love how you can see that in moments, especially like when she's, there's just moments where she's looking at him and just seeing him do his thing. Um, especially towards uh, even the end of the film, when uh, he tries to bring the, the, the vegetables and stuff like that to a local Korean market. Um, and you could just kind of see like that, like, I'm angry, but I also might have brought this on to us. Like maybe I'm the reason, like I created this situation. I really, like all of these characters really have a very nice special complexity to them. Even the children, you know? Right. Um, and I think that just adds so much to the story. And personally, my favorite, my favorite segue or my favorite path of characters that I really love that I wasn't expecting was the relationship between the son and the grandmother. Grandma! I loved, because it really showed a a kind of struggle that, like, many people, especially growing up in the U.S., wouldn't face. Like, I've never had to consider, like, I've always thought, like, oh, maybe my grandparents are a little weird and stuff, but I've never thought of them to not be normal to the, like, American standard. Even, like, you know, you know, my, you know, grandmother who's from Puerto Rico and, you know, things like that from Spain and all things like that. I never really felt that or never really saw that as a kid. So to see this little boy say like, you're not a grandma to like this woman because, you know, she's making fun of him for peeing in the bed and because she doesn't know how to make chocolate chip cookies. And I really love how they made this grandma character play it off like, you're just silly. 
Like, yeah, like, yeah. oh, I'm not a real, like, it wasn't like, oh my God, I'm so disheartened. She was like, yeah, I'm your grandmother. And what are you going to do about it? Like, I really love the grandmother character. I think she was such a great, surprising addition um, to this movie. What? Did, so what did you, do you feel the same way about the grandmother? I did. And I felt like the grandma played a really big role in like the family dynamic because she played like this bridge character between what they're going through now. And she would often bring up their life in uh, Korea. Um, Mm -hmm. But she was also like this little like a positive light in their family. Like she wouldn't really talk about like there was one point where like, I, I don't I don't remember if they didn't have water. No, it was that they didn't have water. And she didn't say anything. You know, she wasn't like, oh, you guys should have just never came here. She's like, no, we're going to go to the creek, get some water. She was just this positive little light um, that brought a lot of, like, positivity to the family until, again, she couldn't. So I really liked her character because it did bring joy to the house in a way that wasn't Yeah, and it, it really also emphasized, like, sadly, how... I'm going to use the word isolated the parents had become from their kids to a certain point. Like, especially like you saw the dad go from I'm the role of the father to just kind of at some point in the end go, I'm only the enforcer when rules are broken. Same with even like the mother, like they, instead of being parents in the end, they kind of conform to just like, you know, bad behavior correctors. And the grandmother ended up having the strongest influence, you know, during the height of the movie onto this kid. Um, and I, I, I think it was just, uh, and I also really liked the juxtaposition between the daughter who had um, grew up in Korea. Um, the young, the young daughter who had grew up in Korea um, kind of already had seen the lifestyle and accommodated to the American style. And then you have the young brother who has no, no recollect, like he wasn't born in Korea. He was born in the U.S. And right. he is completely like Americanized compar- compared to all of them, you know? So mm-hmm. I, I really liked those differences too. Um, and it just, and like, even like the, even though it was sad, like adding the fact that the, the grandmother had a stroke and stuff really just kind of highlighted how, um, you know, the, the little boy, uh, David, how he ended up feeling for his grandmother in the end and kind of like the transformation he went from being like, stay away from me. I'm not going to talk to you to trying to help her when she was not feeling well. Yeah, no. Yeah, definitely. Now let's highlight specifically on the acting. So out of all the actors, who do you think brought like the heat in terms of performance? Do you think all of them did equally or did you think some stand out more against the others? I have to say A24 has a knack for finding these great child actors. Yeah. Um, they just, they have some kind of gift because I thought the little boy was phenomenal. It it was just like, it, it's just a kid, you know? Like, I, I think where movies and shows make the mistakes is they give these kids these long, have you seen the movies where these, these they say something so like metaphorical and empowering? It's just like kids don't, kids don't say that. Yeah, sometimes uh, there's a big issue within Hollywood where for some reason they have a hard time portraying kids as kids, you know? And I think that is exactly like, there was one scene where like they're in the hospital and or a doctor's office and it was because uh david has some kind of like issue right he has some kind of um 
I forget if it's something. He had a little, like, he had a hole in his heart. That's right. But, like, while the parents are having this really serious, like, conversation to the side, on the other side, these kids are, like, playing tag, and they're actually, like, playing a game, and you can hear them. And it's little Mm -hmm. things like that that add a lot of realism to a movie. Because usually in other movies, you see, like, the kids just, like, sitting and, like, mommy and daddy don't fight like kids don't do that so I think a24 has a knack um for finding really good child actors and letting them be kids again I I really love the mom's roles I I think all the actors did a great job in their subtlety like you said like Mm -hmm. we could kind of tell what they're feeling without them having to be like this is a bad situation grandma was phenomenal the cutest the best um so all around I think Every actor did just a great job. I was most impressed with the kids. What about you? Yeah, I I compl- I I agree. Um I think also um I think I was more impressed with the kids than I would say the the adult roles just because the kids really sold their performances. And I say that knowing that, you know, there's such a huge difference between working with adult actors and working with child actors. Yeah. Especially when you you're telling a child to say something but still act like a kid. And I think that's why like we see a lot of movies where they try to make these kids like grown-ups because that's what they think acting is. Meanwhile, you know, being able to learn how to tell a child to act but to still be themselves is pretty great. Like the first thing that comes to mind is like, you know, Haley Joel Osment as a kid, you know, when he's in like Sixth Sense and stuff like that, he doesn't act like a kid. He acts like a grown adult in these movies, even as a child, you know, even when he's like an AI going, I'm David, I'm David and things like that. You're Mm -hmm. still getting like an adult performance from a child. And I'm not saying that that's bad. I'm just saying that it's, you would think it would be so much easier to be like, no, like I want a kid performance from a kid. But it's very hard because when you tell a kid to be a kid, they're going to do that and they're going to make mistakes and they're going to fumble and then they're going to not, you know, give what the director, you know, wants. I don't know if maybe there was a lot of improvisation with the child or maybe a lot of I would really love to ask Lee Isaac Chung, like how he works with kids, because really like he like the best performance is done by um, Alan Kim, who plays David, the young boy. Um, and, and don't get me wrong, Stephen Yin, um, Gary Han and Noel Cho, um, and even, um, like the, the woman, uh, who plays, uh, the mother, Yu Jung Yoon, I believe it's called, her name is, um, they all did great jobs, but mm-hmm. to be able to get realistic performance from kids is incredible. Um, Stephen Yin, I really, I will say I wanted a little bit more from him and I don't think it was his fault. I think I wanted more emotion from his character, okay. especially in the fire scene. I feel like we could have seen a little bit more. That's I, fair. I, you know, like, I just feel like, especially with the fire scene, especially with something like that devastating, you know, to the that whole plot line is to the family. I do feel like we could have seen a little bit more from him. Yeah. Okay. I can see that. I can see that for sure. And more so more from that character. Like, I really would have loved, like, I think what would have been, like, probably, like, the nomination vote, you know, for him would be, and not saying that he didn't deserve it, regardless, but I think maybe him, like, staring off into the fire and just 
you know, have that state of disbelief, that state of like, you know, seeing literally everything you work so hard for burn and seeing that reflect within him. I think that could have been like, you know, the golden ticket shot of the movie. Although that that really isn't the main center of the focus of the film. So maybe that's why it wasn't played up. But that's just me really going nitpicky in into the movie, you know? No, yeah, yeah. But you have a point there. And like, because I know, because I he's a great actor. Like yes. Walking Dead. I mean, hello. Like, no, everyone knows. Like, you don't have to watch Walking Dead to know who Glenn from The Walking Dead is. And yeah. that's because, like, that was phenomenal writing with a phenomenal actor. Um, and he's so like recognizable for that role. And he was so great, you know, on that show. I really, I just wanted a, a little bit more, just a, a wee bit more. Um, I want to ask you about the setting of the film. What did you think of the inclusion of like, not only like the setting of Arkansas, but kind of this, I want to say this envelope of religion that is kind of brought into the movie by these side characters, especially since the way that they connect with people of the town is through the church. What did you think of that? Um, so I like the idea of, you know, so when they went to church, you know, they thought like, okay, let's, you know, try to connect with people. And what the scene really emulates is like, how different they are, even in such a common, what's supposed to be common ground, um, is really not because when there's a scene where they're stand up, and even before that, everybody is just staring because they're the only Korean family in the church. And it's not necessarily like, I like that the scene, it wasn't necessarily like a racist scene, but it's that feeling yeah, of like- Yeah, people weren't angry. People no, weren't no. angry that they were there. I think it was just more of a fascination, but I like the scene because you feel how uncomfortable this family feels. Like it's like going into- you know, a whole new place where nobody looks like you, like nobody looks like you and everybody is just staring at you and it's just like, ah, it is overwhelming. And you get the sense in that scene and it's, it's very well done. I really like how they did that because they could have easily turned that into, you know, what are you doing in my town? But it's not always like yeah. that. It's a lot of the time. It's just, I feel different than everybody here. And Everybody can see it. Everybody's staring at me and I don't feel like I belong. So I And, really and like even that. like turning the one scene where uh, the the son David is talking to, a, uh, no, the, it's the daughter talking to a young girl and it starts off really brash and harsh because she's like, oh, I think I know, you know, Chinese, whatever. And it goes into the very stereotypic, you know, air quote, air quote, Chinese phrases, blah, 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 you know, all that stereotypic Mm. BS. But what I like was that they did turn it into something more than just a stereotypic. Could you try again? Holy crap. That scared me. That scared me. I was like, (gasps) oh my God. I didn't realize that was my Apple watch. I I accidentally held my wrist up and it turned it on. Sorry about that. That was Siri. But sorry about that. Um, But yeah, so- I really liked how they turned that scene, which at first started like, and then all of a sudden the girl's like, actually, wait, yeah, that is that is a word. That means this. And then they they formed a conversation about it. And, you know, it, and I think that's just a really great 
segue to get away from like those stereotypes especially being involved in movies you know whether it's jokes or showing it as a scene just kind of showing it from more of a progressive perspective I think was a really great choice on Lee Isaac Chung's part yeah totally agree I really like this is one of those movies where there's it's there's almost like so much to talk about, but not a lot to talk about. It's just overall a really, really good movie. Um, in terms of directing, I think it was good. I think directing kind of played it a little safe, but also I do understand with a movie like this, if you play up the directing, you know, you try to do art house, you know, pull some Dave Lynch angles, whatever you want. Yeah. I think it would take away from the yeah. center of the theme, which is this family um is there anything else on this movie that you want to comment or talk about before we dive into rating it um no I think I like said everything I just really like how the movie my my main point is just it's a story within a story and I always like when films do that yeah but yeah that's that's it so with that being said what would you rate Minari uh, I'd give it, and I'm gonna get specific like you do. So I'm gonna give it an eight point seven out of ten, um, because arguably this is not how I feel, but arguably mm-hmm. I could see someone saying, "Well, the movie doesn't really go anywhere," um, mm-hmm. and I feel like that is somewhat valid. It's just kind of a look into these people's lives. It's not necessarily a there's not necessarily um, a point. There's a, no point B, point major C. arc. Yeah, there's no yeah. major arc to this movie. There's no grand finale. There's no exactly. hero's journey, really. Yeah. Um. And other than that, the rewatchability for me is probably not too high. Um. No particular reason. It's just not something I'd watch too often. Um. And I feel like anybody would feel like that. Like, you're not going to sit down and be like, I'm in the mood for some Minari. No, it, I really feel like it's maybe like a twice a year, once a year thing. Uh, what do you rate yeah. it? Yeah. I I think I'm going to have to go a little bit lower just because I did come to this, uh, like, through a conversation with my boyfriend this past weekend, I did realize how, like, kind of like my biggest ideology about movies and that sounds so pretentious to say (laughs) but I kind of realize the movies that I think are the best they can be a poorly made movie they can be a you know an excellent movie but I think the biggest caveat to me for a movie is memorability and being able for it to be memorable because like movies Movies can have a rewatchability, but let me tell you this, the best movies I've ever seen, or even like, not even the best movies I've ever seen, the movies that I have the best memories of, whether it's me going, what the heck was that? Or, you know, going like, that was amazing. If I can watch that movie one time and still recollect a scene, a feeling, an emotion, the entire Mm -hmm. movie, whatever it may be. So because of me coming to that conclusion from here on out, I am going to adjust my scale to include not only a rewatchability factor, but a memorable factor. And because of that, I would give this movie like a 7.7 7 because wow, I think it's great. So it's going to, okay. Yeah, well, because I'm, I'm thinking about this because I, yeah, like if there's a movie that I can rewatch over and over again, that's great. Um, but 
if there's a movie that like, for example, this is a movie that I'm going to watch now. I probably won't touch for a few years and it'll more so be a rediscovery, which isn't a bad thing. It's, but it's going to be a rediscovery for me. It's going to be a, oh, like I remember this movie. It, it's, it's been so long. It's going to be a rediscovery. It's not going to be a, oh my God, I remember how this made me feel point A to B, you know, whatever it may be. So including that, that's why I think it's great. I totally recommend yeah, yeah. watching it, but that's why I'm going to give it a 7.7. I, I actually, I see your point there, and I, I do agree with this movie. One of the things that it doesn't have that the Florida Project and even the Farewell have is what you're saying. Like, I could very pick, I, I could pick out a, a scene from the Florida Project right now that affected me. Yeah. The scene from the Farewell that made me laugh or affected me. With this movie, I I kind of agree with you. Because it's so subtle, there's maybe not a lot I could pick out besides David and maybe grandma. Um, And even that, like you were saying, isn't enough. So I I think you you hit it on the nose there. Yeah. And like, and that does not mean that this movie is bad. Like just because it isn't as memorable as others, that doesn't make it bad. I think it's going to be, like I said, one of those films that I will go back within the next five years and be like, Oh yeah, that was, that was such a, like, that was a good movie. I remember vaguely of it, but, and I'll, I'll enjoy that rediscovery. But in terms of like, like, for example, even like, you know, you can recall, like, for example, even though it might not be like, I I remember at one point in the beginning, everyone was like, oh my God, it's my new favorite movie. And it would be either like Avatar or Inception. And obviously people's change, like their opinions changes about movies like that, like Avatar. I think the popularity of Avatar got less and less we kind of realized how much of a you know a-hole James Cameron is and even like the popularity of Inception has just kind of died down over the years you know even amongst Nolan's other movies but those are still always movies that you're going to be able to go holy crap remember that scene remember this either the tails the blue tails connecting (laughs) or you know just you know wondering if 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 Leo's good if this was a dream or wasn't a dream um, so that's how I'm going to be like adjusting my scale to, um, I'm not going to go back and change how I feel about like, that's, that's, I'm solid. I'm, I'm, I'm set in stone with previous films, but now with this new thought, yeah, I think I'm going to have a little change into the way I rate movies due to this. That's fair. I feel like that's mm-hmm. fair. Like, cause I was thinking about it, like looking through all the movies that we watched last year year of 2020 when we started purple noon all the movies that were in our favorites were the most memorable and that's why we had things from like you know the woman next door a shocking romance to tusk you know they're memorable (laughs) movies they're things where you're like oh my god remember that scene so i really think that's uh that yeah it's a great movie oh well look at that 7.7 is the rating of it on imdb Hmm. look at you spot on little little consumer mind um but i i definitely definitely do recommend this movie um ooh, i i have an idea of another question i would like to start asking you okay after doing the reviews you ready for it yeah let's do it would you buy this movie on dvd Oh, okay. That's a fantastic question. 
Because, and I think that's because that does have an effect. That that gives like a vibe, you know? So, okay. I only buy DVDs if I know I'm going to watch the DVD more than once a year. That is my rule because DVD collecting is very expensive. Probably not. Okay. Probably not. And that's not because I don't like it. It's just I don't think this is a more than once a year movie for me. Or even if I would want to watch it more than once a year. It's probably a no. Um, so it would have to be one of those things for me is if, if it was on Amazon, like if Prime Video or Netflix or Hulu, I might see it again. But if I had a DVD, I think it would kind of sit there. So that's a very good question. I wouldn't. Gotcha. Yeah. And I, I feel the same way. Um, like I would buy it if it was on sale, maybe, but it would have to be like a few years from now when I'm like, oh, I remember this movie. Like I said, that kind of like, you know, rediscovering type of movie for me. Um, but yeah, I think that's a, I feel like that's another gauge because people can be like, oh my God, I love this movie. But it's like, but would you spend the 30 for the Blu-ray? Because you just spent 20 on the DVD. You just spent 20 on your movie ticket. I feel like really kind of like solidifies to people who are listening. Like, oh, okay, now I have to get this movie. Or now I have to see it. Especially since you and I are very particular when it comes to owning DVDs. I mean, if it's on Criterion, screw it. I'll buy it. <laughs> oh, I will <laughs> too. I'm a, collector I'm a in, for that. In that way. But like non-Criterion, like even if this, like non-Criterion, I wouldn't buy it. You know what criterion I'm still protesting that I'm not going to buy just to be stubborn? Uh, Solo? That, yeah, but for, for moral reasons. Um, the, the one I was thinking of is a marriage story. I don't want it. Oh, yeah, no, no. I protest that. Yeah, no. Mini review of a marriage story? No bueno. Try something else. Dude, you ever see, um, oh, another thing, speaking of marriage... They're redoing um, scenes from a marriage. I heard. Did it go to Noah Bumbachman or whatever his name is? I think it might have. I don't take my word for it. I feel like I saw that name thrown around, but I don't know for Ugh. sure. Well, that's I the know... dude who did a marriage story. Oh, well, then that, we're, that's not going to be good. I know um, the guy from Star Wars. Okay, I like him. Let's see the. Hold on, let me and see. And then I I'm think it's the... Jessica Chastain. Which, yeah, I want to see the, first of all, they're making it into a TV show. Don't know how I feel about that. Well, okay, the, no, it's, the original it's by one a was newbie. a TV show. It was a miniseries. I thought it was a movie. Weird. Now it's, now it's like put into one big long thing. Um, I don't know how, I, I, she might surprise me. She's a very good actress. How, if you haven't seen it, the character of the, um, the wife, especially in the beginning is I don't like to say because I I understand the position she's in but she's almost like uh begging I don't want to spoil anything but she's like kind of begging at one point and she's kind of weak and I see Jessica Chastain Uh. as like this strong female character so I'm kind of interested in see how she would play that off if they're gonna do it like the original at least Gotcha. Uh, you know, like, uh, you. here's my thing. I think scenes from a marriage, just knowing that the movie is set, the original is set in 74, I'm 
a little bit disappointed that they said it in 74 again. Like, I feel like this was the type of thing where it's like, all right, instead of regurging already what a director did, you can take it and you can add a little pizzazz to it and make it modern with more modern day problems. Because let's be honest, the concept of infidelity, you know, and things like that, very different today. Like, obviously, some things are still the same, but with the use of technology and, you know, different forms of relationships that are out now, I feel like they should have adapted and made it more of a modern setting. Absolutely. I think they could have, I think they could have kept where the story was going, but make it more accessible. And like you said, like 2020, there's a whole lot of ways to cheat and like have some problems in your marriage. So uh, yeah, if they're just gonna, I really hope they don't copy and paste because that would just be a waste of everybody's time. I don't need to see the same thing ever again with different actors, you know? Yeah, for sure. Like if you want me to like rediscover an old classic, give a little new twist on it. So I can be like, I want to see where its roots are from. Not I want to see the same movie again, but done in a lower quality, (laughs) you know, (laughs) or like be like with actors who are dead. Like it's just like I wouldn't want. um, It's like the same thing with like a movie like Godfather. You know, people talk about, oh, are you going to remake Godfather? No one's going to touch Godfather. Or at least for at least another few years. No, I, I. I'm against touching things that are already good. I think if a movie is good, don't touch it. Why would you ever touch Godfather? Yeah, or unless you can take a good movie and apply modern elements to it to slightly transform, like what I think they should do with something like Scenes from a Marriage with. I think that would be fantastic. Or like even like, I wish they went through like old Hollywood like bombs that like just didn't go well and just kind of, picked up the pieces from there ad- adaptation to make you know like for example that one movie that I, I i told you that i want to remake um is oh the not a separation not a separation it's the one with uh uh jack nicholson and yeah, maria yeah, schneider with, i don't know uh, the passenger the passenger right the passenger thank you like something like that it didn't do so well it kind of flopped due to some plots but it had good backbones build off of good backbones and kind of build something new from it yeah yeah you know like and it, it's so like that is something where people be like oh well it doesn't work it works today for music it works today for most arts you know you can definitely apply it and get something new I totally agree. I I just think that would be a better use of everybody's time too. Yeah. And it's like, I don't need to see like another point break when the (laughs) first two didn't do so great. Like, you know, like they keep going back and they keep wanting to extend and recreate, but it's like, you got to build off of, you know? Yeah. I, I, like I said, I just really hope that this isn't a copy and paste. Because if you're saying mm-hmm. it said 1974, I'm really yep. not trying to... Scenes from a Marriage is a very long miniseries, movie, however where you watch it. It's very long. So I don't want to watch that again, just with different people. Yeah, and That's I'm okay. kind of just assuming, because it, it says a TD adaptation of the 73 feature, and just kind of looking at the clothes and the settings, I'm getting very 70s vibe from it. So unless it's like, you know visually a homage to it but if they really do with just like sticking it with the 70s and stuff like that like for example i'm the day that someone goes hey we're remaking decalogue i'm throwing fist i don't care if i have to go to like 
whatever European country and start throwing fists. Because if they're like, oh, we're going to do a full thing. I love Decalogue. And if they're like, oh, we're going to like totally like redo it, but like keep it in the same era. Like, dude, Decalogue episode one that's centered around technology. Are you kidding me? Up the ante, make it new. You know, the stakes are higher. <laughs> that would actually it, be like, a really good movie to remake. Really yeah, good like, anything it, to remake. Just all those things. And like, even like, um, something like, um, you know, from like, they better not touch the Three Colors trilogy because <gasps> oh they better not touch that. Because that's something that where it already is on its own is timeless. Why do you have to adapt it? That's no, nobody touched that. I feel like it would just be worse. Imagine trying to put that timeline right now. No, 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 no. Yeah, no. That'd be a mess. Yeah, it would be like like, you know, also like we just did a review of 47 Ronin. You know, people like sometimes even modernizing it doesn't work because even with something like 47 Ronin, they did it the wrong way. They didn't care about the plot. They didn't care about the backbone. They were like, Yeah, let's take Keanu. He's and throw him in here yeah yeah and i think some white people don't know why <laughs> that was included but i mean hey like you you, you made a bomb like it's, it's it's whatever but i i really hope um with something like that we can just kind of get to the point stop doing remakes and just kind of bring like you know phoenix from ashes of movies that have like been bad yeah that's that should be what we're doing. That should that mm-hmm. that should be what we're doing with our time lately. Especially sure. now, or, or, like with the movie industry, we're already like recycling the same ideas a hundred times. So why not just remake, like you were saying, some of the things from maybe that didn't do so well in the fifties. Some things that can be revamped. We don't need another. What's popular now? What's popular now that we can't stand? We always talk about it. Bro, I don't need them within, like, three years to make, like, eight seasons of Briggerton. <laughs> Stop. It's like, do you mean Pride and Prejudice number four? Do you mean <laughs> Atonement number five? Do you mean Notting Hill number 11? Like, I don't need those types of movies. Even, like, some genres that they just keep going back to. Like, yeah, like... Something like Downton Abbey that kind of hits, you know, something of that sort. Yeah, That's it's new, it's fresh. But, like, I just don't like Briggerton and, like, concepts like that. Where it's like, oh, you mean Emma? Like, and all the, like, you're just bringing back, like, this entire genre. And you're trying to hit all these different points and stuff like that. And it's just the same thing over and over again. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, we're good. We're good. Even we're good when- with that stuff. Yeah. Is there any, um, so let me, and I've asked you this before, but I do want to ask you again, Mm -hmm. um, with just talking about remakes and stuff like that. If you had the opportunity to be responsible, like you had created control over a remake, what would you choose to remake? Ooh, that's a fantastic question. Um, and I mean like you choose everything, writing, directing, like you, you, you run the show. It's really hard, though, because my favorite movies, I would never want anybody to touch. Um, my my favorite movie is, well, so the, my favorite Sophia Loren movie is Yesterday, Today, and Tomorrow. I never mm-hmm. want anybody to touch it because I, I love Sophia Loren and Marcello. I don't want anybody to touch it. But yeah. 
if I maybe had control over every single aspect, maybe, maybe we could work out a deal. Yeah. But even that, like, again, my favorite movies, I, Goodfellas, I never want anybody to touch that. I don't want No, to there's it. no need to touch that. No. Um, I'm trying to think what's, what else, what other movies do I talk about all the time? Uh, uh, I really am a big Princess Bride fan. I wouldn't want anybody to touch that either. Gotcha. There's you know very, what I thought your answer would have been? What? For some reason, I felt like you would have gone for an Audrey Hepburn film. For some reason, when I think if Savannah could, you know, kind of change it, or like, you know, do a movie on her own, have creative control and stuff, I my brain instantly goes to Breakfast at Tiffany's for some reason. I I could see it, but there's already... See, I, I think with movies like Breakfast at Tiffany's, I think with very niche, like 80s movies, certain 60s movies, there's already a, a charm to it that I don't think we can replicate anymore. Gotcha. Um, there's a charm even with like, for example, we talked about The Godfather. There's already a charm there that we can't replicate. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that with a lot of older movies. Um, uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's took place in the 60s. It's a very, very 60s movie. I don't think yeah. we could replicate that again. However, I mean, we could de- we could delete the Mickey Rooney scenes. That's, but- yeah, that, that would actually <laughs> be, be a good idea. Um, but I think we can replicate Valley of the Dolls simply mm-hmm. because we can kind of change it up. We can do like, oh, modern Valley of the Dolls with something like Breakfast uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's. She's like a socialite slash prostitute. I don't think we can modernize that for today. <laughs> I love that movie, but I kind of sat there and I'm like, yeah, I don't know what the 2020 maybe only yeah, fans. Yeah, aristocrat and, and prostitute really doesn't, you it know, does, coincide with each other anymore. anymore. Unfortunately. So there are just certain things I think did well back then that we can't really modernize anymore. I will say, because I was watching a little bit with this with Zach, and I realized if I, if a move, if a big budget company or like, you know, like, I don't know, like A24, even though that's more indie, but if like a production company was like, hey, what would you do to make us money? I would do a more modern remake of the version because I, because I feel like it, it could hit everything. You can get the the full original vibe from it that it gave off. You can still give the homage to the original plot, but still bring in a bunch of new people, bring in a whole new outlook on it. And that would be, it's a mad, 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 mad world. That's a great choice. That because is a choice. you can completely, especially when you give like whatever comedians, famous actors, actresses, when you give them the creative control, you then create something entirely new. But even like, you know, for that type of movie, the stunts that it had back then, I was reading a great trivia where apparently at the time in the US, there was only a hundred stunt workers 80 of them were used for that movie. And like with advancements in, you know, technology and stunts and things like that, I feel like a movie like that could be not only a huge like blockbuster, but if you get the right medley of comedians, musicians, actors, actresses, directors, whoever, you know, pop culture icons, Hmm. I feel like you could really, old and new, I feel like you could really like, that's the type of movie that people should really be focusing on remaking. You know, even if that's a movie where every 20 years you're plugging and chugging, you're bringing in different people in, that the movie is centered on. 
You yeah. know, the movie is a movie like that is centered on the big names and the type of actors that are involved. You know, I feel like a movie like that is if we're going to keep regurging out the same stuff, you can do something like that and get a different movie every single time. That's a great that's a great pick. Yeah. So um, Paramount, if you're listening, let me do it. I got it from here. I, <laughs> I like this movie a lot. I, I, I got it, boo. Just just give me the keys. And I'll drive us, you know, to the coast. What you know phrase is that? What is that? I'll drive us to the coast. Last thing I'm going to say, you know what's crazy, though? So what? in that movie, there's like a lot of famous people from that time, uh, mm-hmm. especially people that young people knew. Do you know who would be in a movie like that if we centered it around like who 16 year olds knew now? Like who 16, 18? It'd all be like TikTok. Oh my people. God. I do not need to see a bunch of movie with like TikTok stars and things like that, you know? It's insane. Cause I was just thinking about like how like these TikTokers are getting like shows and movie deals. And it's because like, and I was like, that's so dumb, you know? Like, oh, they do two second videos. But it's because like they are like the most, if you ask, a 16 year old like who's their favorite celebrity they're gonna say like uh i don't even know uh charlie D'Amelio. charlie D'Amelio or someone like that yeah yeah that's and crazy. obviously like for me i'm gonna be like no because i a movie like that wouldn't be meant for 16 year olds to act in or at least majority for a movie like it's a mad bad mad world i'm instantly thinking comedians like sebastian maniscalco yeah comedians like kevin hart you know, Miranda Hart, you know, just getting a medley of people from all over, you know, the world who are just like, just people, you know, people that will make you laugh. Bill Murray, holy crap. Could you imagine Bill Murray, how funny he would be in this movie? Just get a bunch, like, hold on, hold the phone. Billion dollar idea here. Look, I'm willing, Paramount, to sell this idea, but get a piece of the income to have someone like Wes Anderson make a movie like this. Ooh, good pick. Good pick. I think that would be good. But like even like just bringing through like more popular actors, then get some indie actors, you know, and then just sprinkle out like a bunch of more like within the past 15 years, some pop culture, like great references and things like that. I think that's that's kind of like the secret formula, like the really a hidden secret formula for just how to make good blockbusters. Not movies like Movie 48 where you have everyone and no one knows what the plot is, but doing something like this, taking it small and building up on what the actors can give. Totally agree. Mm-hmm. But you know who else could probably do it now that I'm thinking about it? Dare who? I say, Kevin Smith? He has potential. He has potential. That's a good I will pick. talk to him about this soon. I will bring this Tell idea him, up. Tell him he needs a new project. He needs, he needs a new project. Dang, could you imagine I tell him this and the next year they start production and I don't make a dime? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not what it's about. But Oh, okay. <laughs> but, you know, it is what it is. But I, I think that's a good place to... Hit it. I mean, it's almost 10 p.m. our time, so I think we're good. Um, Remember, if you are listening to this on YouTube, hit subscribe. It don't cost you nothing. You don't need to get the notifications. Just subscribe. Um, Check out all all of our links below. Um, We now have a link tree that's listed on our, you know, Twitter, Instagrams, all things like that, where you can find literally everything that we do and all the good stuff with Purple Noon and on our own. Be sure to check that out. 
Um, and stay tuned because within the next few months, we're going to have some really cool guests um, featured back, some new faces, some old faces. So definitely um, keep in touch with that. Well, really old voices and new voices because, you know, podcast. And this is episode 58. No, 48. <laughs> I will say, keep an eye out for episode 50. It's going to be a little special. special. Yeah, it's going to be, be a little special. So uh, with that being said, the next time you hear us, we are going to be discussing the movie Nomadland. Yep, yep, yep. And without, good ones. Yep. And without further ado, peace out. Bye.